Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Lantessa, and today we've got a little bit of a special show. Jim and I are, as you know, doing a presentation on Unbuilt Disney on November 12th of this year from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Heartland Brewery at 127 West 43rd Street in New York City, just off of Times Square. So if you want to see Jim and I in our Elmo costumes before that, show up a little bit early. We thought we'd give you guys a little preview of what we're going to do during that show, a little bit of the kinds of information that you are likely to hear about. We thought we'd do that for today's show. Let's bring in Jim. Jim, how's it going? I'm doing well, Len. Yourself? Uh, Not bad at all. It's uh, fall has arrived. Yeah, that it has. In fact, we're recording this on the Monday of Columbus Day weekend. Indigenous People Day to the rest of us, but okay. (laughs) There we go. Is it South Dakota that actually does Native People's Day? There's a few of them, actually. I think there's 10 or 12 different locations that do uh, some other celebration of Indigenous people. Because Nancy and I just had a friend who did the hike up the side of the mountain to where they're carving the crazy horse statue. Have you ever seen that? I have been trying for years to get out there. My family did Rushmore decades ago, and and for years I've been hearing about Crazy Horse and wanted to get out there. But this is the day they literally throw it open, and you can go all the way up to the head. Really? Can you? Yes. I have no no idea how long it would take. So just for some perspective, I saw them both, Mm -hmm. both Rushmore and the Crazy Horse thing, on the same trip one time. Let me just give you some perspective. Mount Rushmore is about like trying to see the International Space Station from your house Mm -hmm. using a pair of binoculars. It's impressive. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. My impression of Rushmore was that it was smaller than I thought. Mm -hmm. The Crazy Horse Monument is like looking at the Death Star in the sky. (laughs) It is is on a scale that is unimaginable when you look at Rushmore. And that's why it's taken the dude 100 years. I mean, Oh, no, no doubt. And what is it? The face itself is nine stories tall? Oh, it's crazy. And one dude is working on it. I mean, I think it's like his grandson or something or his son. Mm -hmm. He'll never get it done. I don't care how much dynamite you have. I don't care what kind of excavation tools you bring in. It will never be finished. But you've got to love mm-hmm. just the, first of all, the fact that somebody got the idea to carve a piece of the mountain out to crazy horse. But yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's fascinating. Well, not to put an idea in your head, but I just saw a photo for the crazy horse road race where evidently you're allowed to run up at the side of the mountain. I would totally do that. Yeah, but uh, if you're ever in, if you ever find yourself in South Dakota, mm-hmm. along with uh, Wall Drug, where you can get free water and uh, I think five cent donuts or five cent coffee, there's <laughs> not much else to do. But uh, no, but, no, yeah. no, I, I remember that. that. That was particularly a part of the the, the cross country experience. Every mile, there was another billboard for Wall Drug, and it's finally all right. We'll stop. <laughs> I'll tell you one. So my sister and I are hiking across South Dakota. We go to the Badlands, mm-hmm. and we're actually hiking through a canyon. And a uh, and a park ranger comes up. A couple of park rangers come up to us, and we're walking through. And they're like, hey, have you seen anything interesting on your tour? And I thought, well, yeah, that's nice of them. to Maybe they're going to point out some, like, wildlife or something. And we're sort of in this canyon, so I'm expecting, like, him to start talking about the stratification of the rock layers or something. He's like... He's like, yeah, flash floods come through this canyon every once in a while. We're looking for a couple of bodies. Like, oh. yeah, no, haven't haven't seen that, and now's a good time for me to leave the canyon. But the the way you leave the canyon, Jim, yeah. they've got these. Uh, honest to God, it's like something out of your gym teacher's nightmare. It's these rusted metal chain ladders that are hanging down the side of the canyon. 
attached by stakes in the ground that I swore to God were put there during the FDR administration oh, by, the, by the Civilian Conservation Corps. <laughs> Wow. My okay. sister gets up to the top of this. Mm-hmm. She climbs up first and she's like, just don't make any sudden moves while you're on this ladder. <laughs> I'm looking at her like, wait, have you seen the rust on this thing? I need a tetanus shot just to look at it. Uh, oh my God, it was so much fun. Yeah, uh, besides the cut, it was, was a hoot. Oh, uh, wow. Well, I, again, forgive the digression there, folks. But, but you know, from um, Native, Native American Day, Columbus Day, the other thing that just happened is we just had the presidential debate. And right. The interesting thing is that if things had gone the other way in the mid-90s, if Disney's America had ever been built as part of that 1,200-acre project, it would have included facilities to host and televise political debates, which is just kind of interesting to think of Hillary and Donald duking it out at Disney. Yeah, they could do the casts for the Hall of Presidents masks at the same time while well, we have you here on property. Can you just, you know... Anyway, getting back to, to Disney's America, I mean, it, it, we are almost 25 years out from when this project was making its way through Disney. And and there's a lot of stuff that's been written about it over the years. For example, all the stuff we lost, how that park's version of Illuminations, the nighttime kiss goodnight thing, it wasn't necessarily fireworks. I mean, you literally gathered around Freedom Bay. That's what the, the waterway in the central part of the park was known as. And you watched a recreation of the battle between the Monitor and the Merrimack, which, on paper, that sounds wonderful. Ironclads move rather slow, though, Len. Yeah, I'm thinking we, we would need something more akin to uh, Treasure Island in Las Vegas to hold our attention. They could have done the Battle of Yorktown, but got like a 30-foot-tall Cornwallis. There we go. There we go. Look out! <laughs> in, in some sort of weird Marvel Avengers tie-in, I think. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> Eventually it would come. Oh, well, Captain America. Anyway, well, uh, just quick backstory on this. And again, that, that's the whole thing of what we're trying to do with this presentation is projects that you think you've heard about, but you haven't necessarily heard the really weird fun stuff. Every Everyone knows that the Horsey set and historians, when this project was announced in 93, quickly grouped and wanted to shut it down. And everyone assumes that it's all about the way Disney was going to handle the history. And they weren't confident that Disney was up for telling a truthful version of American history. But there was actually a pretty sizable side issue here in that... The land that Disney had gotten a hold of to build this project, most of it had come from Exxon. I'm serious. Exxon? One step above the cursed Indian burial ground. (laughs) That's probably very true. But Exxon had made what they thought was a smart buy in the late 1980s. The real estate market outside of Washington, D.C. was booming. Here was a piece of property just 35 miles out of D.C., And they got it zoned for multi-use. And so they were thinking, let's do a residential multi-use area. And the idea was to drop a lot of houses in on this land and some office space. And they were all set to do it. But then came the recession of 91. And suddenly nobody in D.C. had money to buy the big trophy house out in the the suburbs. Not only that, but like, I know that, was it the blue line or the red line? for D.C. It goes actually from the middle of D.C. dozens of miles, I think, out into the suburbs. Yeah, 35 miles out in the suburbs is not inconceivable for somebody like Exxon to to pay for the subway line to 
to extend that, or you know, some sort of park and ride thing. Right? Oh no, 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 definitely. Oh, okay. By spring of '93, Exxon, you know, they're just not seeing the return in the real estate market, and they want out. And meanwhile, here's Eisner, who oddly enough fell in love with history when, as part of the research for Pocahontas, went to Jamestown. And was like, oh, this is cool. And he's walking through it thinking, you know, we could have put a gift shop right there. Oh, yeah. And the Pocahontas Tilda World ride right over there. So he wanted into this market. The turkey dinners we can we can sell every <laughs> night. <laughs> but at the same time, you have to understand that this is Eisner during his architecture patron period. And, you know, and, and that's the best version of Michael Eisner, by the way. Go ahead. I have to agree. But again, by April of 91, they're already just unveiled that the company is going to build Celebration. The idea of taking 4,000 acres in Osceola County along 192 and building this residential community. You have to understand that it, while it opened with just 350 homes, the original plan they announced was they were going to have Celebration at full build-out was 20,000 residents, 15,000 employees. I mean... Wow. It, it was going to be huge, but the really interesting part that people have forgotten over the past 25 years, Eisner thought this was franchisable. Oh, clearly, yeah, yeah. That Celebration was going to be something, a Disney-planned community was going to be something he could march around the country. And, and so, meanwhile, here's Disney's America. Here's the land they bought, and Disney buys the 2,300 acres that Exxon has. They get an additional 700 acres. They have a 3,000-acre parcel of which... Mm-hmm. They only need 1,200 acres for the theme park. Oh, so they've got more than half of it available for... And their plan was that at full build-out, they were going to put in 2,281 homes, 1,300 hotel rooms, and almost 2 million square feet of retail and commercial space. Wow. And this actually upset the horsey set and the historians honestly more than the park itself. Suddenly all these people are going to be driving around on Interstate 66 or Highway 15. It was that concern. But the weird thing of it is, is this wasn't going to be there for, for when the park opened. Disney's America announced in 93 wasn't actually supposed to open until 98. And uh, this retail residential component wasn't even supposed to get underway till till 2003. And you, you might ask, why wait five years? Well, the thing of Disney's America, as it was going to be built in Prince William's County, it was the first seasonal Disney theme park. Oh, so that's right. Yeah, because it gets, it gets cold in Virginia. It does. So the thinking was that the park's operational year, in March, starting in March, it would only open on weekends with the occasional three-day weekend in there. By April, you've bumped it out to five days a week. You start with a seven-day-a-week schedule starting in May. That runs through August, and then in September, you start to creep it in. You go to a five-day week. That continues to the end of October, and, and not for the reason you might think. This wasn't a case of Disney thinking, oh, let's do a, a sequel to Mickey's Not So Scary only up in the Virginia area. I mean, people forget that the first, the very first Mickey's Not So Scary was actually held in October of 95. And not only that, Disney had such little confidence that people would be willing to pay a whole $18.50, Len. <laughs> Mind you, that's the full ride price. If you bought your ticket in advance, it was $16.95. But the whole, wow, are there going to be enough people who'd be willing to pay for this 
a Halloween hard ticket who want to go into the Magic Kingdom after hours. They had so little confidence idea. They, that year, they held it on one night, Halloween night. For $18. For $18. You can't even get the commemorative glazed caramel apple for that price. Yeah, I think that's probably lunch and a drink. Uh. <laughs> So you march down through November, you open up a little longer around Veterans Day and Thanksgiving, you go back to your weekend-only schedule in December, and then you're closed from January and February. There's a lot of regional parks that do this. I know in in North Carolina, Carowinds does something similar where it's not open year-round. What about Busch Gardens, though? Is Busch Gardens Williamsburg open year-round? To be honest, Busch Gardens does the same thing. Mind you, they have their wonderful holiday decorating program. In fact, Nancy and I went down there two and three years ago. And I mean, that's spectacular, but that runs till January 1st or thereabouts, and then they close the park and then doesn't open again till again, April or thereabouts. Well, they get time to do refurbishments and things like this. But but Jim, I'm I'm interested in this this timing that you're telling me. So 1993 Mm -hmm. for uh, Disney's America that was supposed to open in 1998, if I recall correctly, Mm -hmm. they did actually open another theme park in 1998. Yes, they did. Disney's Animal Kingdom. Yeah. So... Would this sounds terrible, but was was the Animal Kingdom a Plan B if Disney's America didn't work? Well, actually, the Plan B for Disney's America, Disney's Canada. <laughs> well, no, actually, Disney's American Celebration. The reason you should pay attention to eBay is weird crap shows up there. I mean, for one day. This weird packet for Disney's America came up for bid, and it turns out it's basically the binder that was handed to everyone at 1401 Flower Street in the meeting where the actual date for this presentation packet is August 16th, 1994. They pulled the plug on the entire Disney's America project on September 29th, 1994, so six weeks out from when Disney backs away from the project, they're looking at alternate possible layouts and plans for this park with the notion of the historians are after us. We have to figure out a way to make this project work, but remove the history component. (laughs) So the thing with Disney's American celebration was this park had a Streets of America section. Not in the same way as, say, Disney MGM did, where it's, it's faux backdrops and empty storefronts. If you went to Chicago Street, this was Chicago with its great Italian history. So it's like, this is where you go to get great deep dish pizza. Or if you go to San Francisco, you enter into Chinatown and have wonderful Chinese food. Were there rides there too, or was this essentially, you know, World Showcase, but American Showcase? It is so funny you say that. The next component I was going to talk about is they were going to recreate the 1910 version of Coney Island. So you had a full-size replica of the, the classic wooden roller coaster, the Cyclone, and then you had five classic boardwalk attractions. It was somebody who loves old New York. They were going to build a full-scale recreation of Ebbets Field. You can go watch the Brooklyn Dodgers play. That would be a... Just, I love this. Now, mind you, they didn't totally abandon the history component of it, bringing us round back to Crazy Horse. So, you know, the, the, one of the proposed areas of the park was going to be a pavilion that celebrated uh, the native peoples. It, there was also going to be a dream of, of Freedom Pavilion, which talked about our, our country's century-old struggles with freedom and equality. And the Land of Promise Pavilion, which this was going to be a pavilion that celebrated immigration. So how how are they going to celebrate immigration, Lynn? Half of it is a ride. 
And the other half of it is a brand new 3D film starring the Muppets. Ah, there's always a role for the Muppets. What just amazes me is here's Disney's doing its test of the great moments of history with the Muppets. And even then, they were looking for them as a way to talk about American history. Nobody outside of 1401 Flower Street ever got to see this presentation, this Disney's American Celebration presentation. But Len and I will share it with you if you join us on November 12th at the HB Brewery in Times Square. All, all you have to do is the ETC ticket. What? what? ETCCustomEvents.com. Go to the website and uh, and look for tickets. You can find them there. I think they're relatively inexpensive. Includes lunch, by the way. And again, you know, you come, we'll tell stories about places you've never heard about, folks. Uh, Jim, I'm, just, I'm a little concerned just because of the amount of material that we've already uncovered and for all the other things we're going to talk about and just this one little story was 20 minutes. <laughs> we, we may be there all day. <laughs> there, there, may, there may be a follow-up brunch the next morning is what I'm saying. <laughs> what is the line out of the Muppets? It's a beautiful six and a half hour presentation. <laughs> Glorious three and a half hour finale. <laughs> there we go. You, you got five minutes. <laughs> all right. ETCCustomEvents.com. Go ahead and look for uh, tickets to the event. We hope to, to see you guys there. For Jim, this is Len. We'll see you guys on the next show. Take care.